On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Keep in mind, this is a league that has had emails exposed about many of their executives, including Colin Powell, denouncing Colin the... Colin oh, Powell Colin is Powell? the one who was sending oh us to Iraq. He has his own issues, his own bad reputation. But I get, I do this a lot where I mix up people with the same first names. Colin Campbell. This is Talkin Audio. We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. Nice to be back in the garden, man. Woo! Welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. Matt, how are you doing today? Yeah, you know, it's one of those days, Michaela. That's uh, that's just how it goes sometimes. I'm doing all right. Happy to be here. Happy to have a pint in my hand. Happy to, t- happy to be talking to you. Uh, things are looking up. Okay, that's good. You have a pint. That's a good sign. If, if life has taught me anything, it's that alcohol solves everything. The cause of and solution to <laughs> all of life's problems. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and on that note, then, I, I want to hear what you're drinking today to solve these problems. Yeah. Well, to start, uh, I'm, I'm finishing off a, uh, a pre-show rum and, uh, rum and Pepsi. But uh, I'm, I've got here, I'm getting ready to crack into... Uh, this is from Spearhead down in Kingston. I, I think I've tried one or two things from them before, but uh, not a ton. Uh, this is the Swiss Chocolate Raspberry Porter. Um, and Whoa. It's, uh, yeah, I'm expecting this to be a little sweet, um, but uh, it says it's part of their Globetrotter series. Do you drink much from Spearhead? Are you aware of this series? Uh there's a picture of Switzerland aw- right here on the can. I- okay, I like that. I'm not aware of their se- of that series. I have had a couple Spearhead beers before. We stopped there on a, a drive back from Toronto once, but uh, I, I'm not too familiar with that series. I'm very curious about it though, because if they're doing some kind of international series, yeah, I'm fascinated I'm by that. Right? That. Like, is this uh, every month we're covering a different country or something? Uh, I, that would I, I don't be know. Cool. Be keeping an eye on that. Um, get to the whatever. Tunisian ale or whatever might be coming next. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll start with some more prominent countries. I don't know how they're working. What are you drinking today? I am going with a town brewery. I love our Tunisian uh, listeners, by the way. I, I'm not taking uh, a shot at our Tunisian listeners. <laughs> Shout it's the backbone of the listenership <laughs> here at Tall Can Audio. I uh, had a buddy um, of mine who used to call us because um, for some reason I think it was just a weird spike in uh, or an error or something in our servers i don't know but there was a week where all of a sudden we had several thousand listeners in in vietnam and what yeah i don't know this that's was, so cool this was so like this was several years ago now and so for a little while we were calling ourselves like vietnam's most listened to hockey podcast or <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so, so i've stepped that's on so you cool. twice what are you drinking 
Uh, I'm drinking Town Brewery out of Whitby. Uh, their Square Wheels IPA. Oh, the clock's at about 6.2%, mm-hmm. so I'm a little in- interested in this here. That's Let's give this a crack game, here. Right? It's yeah, game night. And, that's right. You know, we'll get you started. Um, it's funny you bring busy. them up. Uh, the other day, I had a buddy of mine. Um, as you know, I grew up in the Oshawa area. They're not too far from Bowmanville. He hooked me up um, with uh, something from the town brewing company called Outside Jokes. Um, so uh, it was, it, I think, just like a pretty standard ale. It was pretty tasty. Was that their p- pale ale? Yeah. 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 I, I think I picked one of those up when I was there. This was part of the day trip ah, to Toronto series. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure I picked up the outside jokes. I remember liking it a lot. Yeah, what it was think? pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. So uh, good uh, good things. I had never heard of the uh, the town brewing company. Um, so I guess uh, two for two so far. Or we'll find out if we're two for two if you, uh, if you like this one or not. Sorry, I was taking a picture. Oh, for you. I appreciate for that. For you. Yeah. Because last time I, I took a picture halfway through drinking my beer. Yes. Uh, so this time I was like not going to let that happen again. Good, good uh, listeners yeah, can I, find that at Talk and Audio on Instagram. <laughs> you sure can. And probably uh, at uh, Crafted in the Capital. I think so. Yeah. I can't remember if I shared it. Normally I, I try to at least share in my story the ones that you post. Okay. Um because I'm, I'm really bad with keeping up with talking audio. I started this thing and then like I, I go through phases where like I post all the time and then yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I have this thing and I need to do it. Right. Because okay. <laughs> I get easily distracted. <laughs> um, I'm glad we cracked a beer though, Matt, because our first topic is just, I have, I have looked at this in so many different angles and tried to wrap my head around it and see both sides but the more i look into it the angrier i get Mm. so we're just gonna dive right into the tim peel situation okay well let me peel mine back there you go you're gonna need it so for those of you who are unaware and i'm sure at this point you are uh tim peel longtime referee in the nhl was caught on a hot mic uh one of the one of the tv broadcast mics he, he had made a pretty soft tripping call uh against um nashville mm-hmm. and so it was a nashville detroit game on i believe it was tuesday night yep. and uh he he got caught on one of the broadcast mics and in going into commercial break saying it wasn't good, but I wanted to get a bleep and penalty to Nashville early on or something to that effect. Yep. We'll uh, drop the audio in here so you people can hear it for yourselves. Perfect. Perfect. There wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against yeah, Nashville early. In the- and uh, the NHL did not like this. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most hockey fans who read about this or heard it or what have you, we're not at all surprised mm-hmm. because we all know that this is kind of part of the game and we'll get into that in a bit. But anyway, so the next day, uh, that night, the NHL says they're going to investigate it. The next day, uh, they release a statement saying that uh, referee Tim Peel will no longer be working NHL games now or in the future. And in the statement, uh, Colin Campbell, uh, the National Hockey League Senior Executive Vice President of Hockey Operations, quite a title. said... Quite a title uh, said, and I quote, nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Tim okay, Peel's conduct. Cool. Yes, yeah, seriously. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. There is no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention. The National Hockey League will 
will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of the game. And to Greg Wyshynski's point, says the man who once emailed officials about not calling a penalty on his son. Yeah. So there we go. That's where we are. That's the setting. That's, that is the situation at hand. Now, I have several thoughts on this, but Matt, I want to get your thoughts first. Um, I have a feeling we probably feel very similar about this. My very first take, and uh, it was right as the, the, the league was releasing their statement, um, you know, that they were going to look into it. They were going to investigate it. You know, how thoroughly these... <sighs> yes. Like, very similar to the, uh, the Melnick forensic investigations on <laughs> skate sharpening, or skate uh, slashing, whatever. Not sure whatever came of that investigation. Yeah. Old. That's how thorough, thoroughly uh, invest- investigations are taken across the NHL. So, <laughs> I just sort of was like, I already know how this is going to go. I didn't think you were going to see the end of Tim Peel's career, but I said on Twitter in a couple different places, um, the only thing that's going to happen here is that they will scapegoat Tim Peel for doing exactly what they want him to do. Um, But they don't want him getting caught doing it or admitting to having done it. And my, my feeling was sort of, we absolutely do not apologize for doing the same garbage over and over again, but we will work very hard to ensure that you never catch us serving you this garbage again was sort of my, my take on it. Sure enough, the next day, uh, as you said, they come out and say, Tim Peel will not work another NHL game. And you're like, wow. Until you realize that Tim Peel is retiring in a month anyway. So they just kind (laughs) of sent him home. He'll continue to collect his paycheck. Uh, This problem just kind of goes away. Uh, but essentially scapegoating him um, exactly as I would have predicted. I don't want to go any further because I want to let you steer this conversation. I want to get your thoughts before, you know, I go down any number of different roads here. Yeah. So the the retirement, I just want to touch on the retirement thing one real quick. Cause a lot of people are saying like, oh, okay, well that's not really a punishment. He was retiring in a month. I find it worse that he was retiring in a month. Like I'm, I'm not saying I'm the biggest Tim Peel fan in the world, but like the guy was a month away from retirement. He was scheduled to retire at home again in, in St. Louis, and and you took him that away from him. Like this guy's ref 1,300 games, yep. and you took that away from him because of something. And I cannot stress this enough that all hockey fans know happens regularly. Yep. Like this is not a secret. The moment I read this, I was like, okay, okay, well, yeah, that happens. Like, it, you know, we can get into whether or not it should. I think that's an, a fair argument. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have humans refing these games. Therefore, you are going to have human error occasionally and frequently. That That is just that naturally what is going to happen when you have human beings refing games. So naturally, bad calls and mistakes are going to be made here and there. And what happens afterwards? Players get mad. Coaches get mad. They start yelling and a makeup call occurs. This is the natural flow of a hockey game. And we are all, anybody who's watched hockey for a minimal amount of time is familiar with this. Like this is not, this is not news. And the NHL comes in, clutches its pearls as though they cannot believe that someone would dare defile the sanctity of our game. And, and they act shocked. Like, like as a business, something if something shocks you and it doesn't shock your customers, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem right there. And here's here's my really big issue with this. 
If the NHL had come out with a statement that said something to the effect of, listen, we know this is a problem. We are going to work to tr- to fix this and to make sure that the refing is consistent, you know, change the way the game is officiated, what have you, and it starts here. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have as much of an issue with this. But what the, what I read from this statement is, this isn't an issue. It's an isolated incident. We're going to solve it by firing this guy Tim and Peel move on. did this, not that our yeah, officials did this. Is a Tim this. Peel problem. Yeah not an every official in the NHL. And I know that, you know, there are people who deny that this is a problem, but if you've ever watched an NHL hockey league game, a a national hockey league game, um, you know, this is, this is pervasive. Like, no, if your team has had like three straight power plays, you're just like, Oh God, you're just waiting for the one against your team. Right. Or whatever it might be. And they call it like game management, and, you know, it's it's we don't want referees deciding these games, which by calling these extra penalties and keeping them even up or by not calling a penalty like you are deciding these games like we don't want to see anybody get trounced. We don't want to see one team with, you know, six more power plays. Than another. Why? If That's somebody is that much dirtier than you or in theory, the worst teams in the league should always have the worst penalty differentials, right? You're the one having to keep up. You're the one that never has the puck. You're the one trying to slow down um, whoever it might have been over the years, and they just don't want it. They want it to look even. They want it to look equal. And I will say the thing that did catch me off guard, because I'm like you. I've, I've watched enough of these hockey games. You just feel it. You know it's coming. Um, every hockey fan across the league knows when it's coming. At the same time, I'm not sure it's ever been presented quite this bluntly, right? Like you always more looked at it as a, okay, this ref knows he screwed up, so he's going to do it. You don't expect to ever hear him openly on a microphone saying to one of the teams or to his colleagues, yeah, no, I was I was just looking to get Nashville early. You're like, what? Like, why do you put your... I guess I always wanted to hope it was more like a a subconscious need to even it back up rather than just a, we're all out here talking about it. It, it, man, it was jarring to hear it quite that clearly. Really? I, it wasn't surprising to me at all. And I wondered, I had this like existential crisis for a couple hours on Wednesday <laughs> where I was like, does, am, am I reading the game wrong? Like, have right. I just always thought this was a thing and it's not like you're right. It was very blatant in what he, what he said. Yeah. But the fact that he was doing it was not, and 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 admittedly, like I didn't know where this happened in the game. Obviously, according to Tim Peel's quote, it was early on. Mm-hmm. I I wondered if like he had made a bad call uh, on Detroit earlier, or or he you know someone was getting in his ear about a call he made against Detroit, and and he was trying to even the score or right. something like that. I don't like that's how I kind of interpreted it. But like, it, what what it looks like to me is the NHL is not necessarily punishing him for what he did. They're punishing him for what he said. They're punishing him for talking punishing about him for getting it. caught. Yeah, that's exactly. All. That's all. And what kills me. And again, this is, this is my speculation and nothing else, but based on what, how I've seen the NHL react to situations like this before, what if he had been caught saying something inappropriate? Right. What if he had been caught saying a, a slur of some kind? Mm-hmm. Would the, would the punishment be as swift or as harsh? And I know we don't hmm. technically know the answer, but based on what we've seen in hockey culture previously and the NHL's reaction to this, keep in mind, this is a league that has had emails exposed about many of their executives, including Colin Powell, denouncing Colin the... 
Colin, oh, Powell, Colin Powell was the one who was sending oh us to Iraq. He has his own issues, his own bad reputation. But I get I do this a lot where I mix up people with the same first names. Colin Campbell uh, and and other NHL executives have been. I don't caught, love you uh, either, Colin Powell. Like, no, <laughs> have been caught in email scandals uh, or have had emails exposed yep. of them denouncing the uh, the efficacy or the uh, severity of concussions and headshots mm-hmm. and the correlation between headshots and concussions. Like this is not a league that tends to come down hard on things where they should right come down hard and they and and yet this they come down hard on because oh it's the integrity of our game like let's be realistic about where the integrity of your game is like i just like i i i don't know this is this is one of those things where then this is just my interpretation of it but this is the nhl treating its fans like they're not very smart yeah um, and I think that happens a lot to their own peril. It, what that, that's the thing, and it's it's like none of us are surprised. It drive it just drives me nuts the way the NHL treats their fans sometimes. And what did you make <sighs> of Elliot Friedman's comments on Wednesday? Um, and since then, I've seen it brought up in a few different places. Um, but he was the first that I saw bring it up that this has brought out into the open something that the NHL didn't want in the open to begin with. But the extra mm-hmm. wrinkle being their newfound relationships with legalized gambling. And while the NHL is just fine with screwing over its players and its fans, (laughs) the gambling world will not tolerate this shit. If anything looks even slightly like fixing, right? Like changing the dynamic of the game in a way that, you know, it should be going. That's a clear tripping penalty. Call it a tripping penalty. Don't be thinking about who had the last power play or who's had the most power plays or what the time a game or score is. The gambling world either wants it totally fixed or totally legit. And so this being drawn out and just, you know, this thing that hockey fans have all known forever, um, as the NHL gets tied tighter and tighter to legalized gambling, those people are not going to be okay with anything that looks like it's changing the flow of the game from what should be naturally happening. I thought that was a fascinating point. That's a really good point. And if I'm the NHL, again, I want to be seen as addressing what is a yes. systematic issue. Now, I know they don't want to admit it is a systematic no, they issue. they actually want to change it. They want to no. look like they're changing it. <laughs> But if I'm one of these companies that the NHL has now partnered with through legalized gambling, I'm looking into this. Yeah. Right. And and how you know why wouldn't they have in the first place? First of all, um, I don't know much about these companies. Admittedly, I know nothing about the gambling world. Right. But like, if I'm one of these companies, I'm looking further into this. Oh, this is a pervasive issue. Let's see more of this, please, mm-hmm. because I want to know. I want to know what I've just gotten myself into. And and the NHL is doing itself no favors by pretending like this isn't an issue because, again, anybody who watches the sport, anybody who covers the sport knows that it is. Of course. Like Frank Saravalli wrote a whole piece on TSM basically saying the, the NHL is making an example out of a guy for something that is a pervasive issue. Yeah. No, and that's it. Like I, I said from the beginning, he's he's getting scapegoated for what they do. And and they're fully aware of this. Like in 2005, 2006, when they came out of that lockout and the league wanted interference gone, like wanted that hooking, like um, what did they, obstruction, all of that stuff, it was gone. The refs started calling it and it disappeared. A couple of years ago, they wanted to see a cutback on slashing, and the referees absolutely clamped down on slashing. 
but it just kind of, you know, gets let go or it softens again or or whatever. But these mandates come down from the league. I do believe NHL officiating is bad, but a certain amount of that comes from being told to be bad, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and and I don't think there's any way around that. I I fully. This idea that, oh, I missed this one, so I'll make it up later by making up another one. I would much rather live with the idea that something got missed and just live with it than the idea that, um, you know, the guy's going to just figure one out later at maybe a different opportunity or a cr- more crucial moment or whatever it might be. I want the same penalty that's a penalty on night one of the regular season, six minutes into the first period to be a penalty with one minute to go in game seven of the Stanley cup final. And everybody keeps telling me or not. Lots of people on Twitter saying, you don't want that. You'd hate that. You'll be just as frustrated. Players are smart. They figured out, they figured out when they go to world championships, they figured out when they go to Olympics, there's a different standard and they figure it out, but they don't have to figure it out. Like they know in the playoffs, you can get away with murder. So they do. Just call the game. And if you have a guy on your team who's stupid enough to slash someone with a minute to go in game seven of the Stanley Cup final, it's your problem, man. I don't want a ref going, oh, that's too big of a moment to call a penalty. You are still impacting the game. You are still deciding the game by deciding not to call that as much as if you had called it. Like, either way, you're... You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. How often do we talk about the rest putting putting the whistles away right. in, in you know overtime or the last few right. minutes of the third period? Like, we've we the, the people covering the sport, the people literally do, doing color commentary and play by play, say those words during a game, right? And yet we're all supposed to be shocked that refs game manage. In in you know Brady Kachuk's got a wide open net and the puck comes to him in front. And someone slashes him down to stop him from scoring. And you don't call it because it's overtime. I don't want to be the one who gives a team a power play. You did just decide the game. Brady was going to yeah. bury that shit, right? Like, Not doing anything is the same thing as yes. doing something in this case. Just and, call and, it. You know, th- This happens every couple years where something in, in, in NHL officiating gets us to analyze how the games are officiated. And... I remember a couple years ago, and Frank Saravelli talked about this in his piece, but basically I remember looking at like a study. Someone had looked at a, a, a certain number of NHL games, and for the life of me, I couldn't find it today. But basically it's been proven many, many times that by and large, consistently NHL games are refed 50-50. Yep. Like 50% of the time, uh, the home team gets a penalty. 50% of the time, the uh, away team gets a penalty. It's like 52% in favor of the home team. Right. So what like like do, do, is is hockey really a sport where things are that cut and dry and that clean and even every single game? You should Ew. see fairly regularly. My team took seven penalties and your team took two. That's just what <laughs> happened tonight. Never, and you never happens. see that. Never happens. And I would as much as especially right now, my team would probably the Ottawa Senators. Yes, would well, you can see why one. I'm also so. <laughs> could you stop mugging Matthews in the corner? Like, well, yeah, exactly. When and, I was and, a shit team for a decade, this probably bugged me less, right? <laughs> like, well, and Chris Versteeg just talked about this a few weeks ago. Like, look how many, how how often stars get tripped or hooked or slashed yeah. or whatever, and nothing gets called. Like, this is it, it's, it's frustrating for both sides, right? Like, mm-hmm. if 
I get that as a Sens fan, it may not be great for the refs to call the game the way it should because my team's probably going to be pen- penalized a lot more for than now, the other teams. Yeah. For now, but that is that is part. I would rather analyze this team for what they are. Yeah, and a, a young team that makes mistakes or or you know takes penalties when they're down it is naturally going to happen when a team is just not as good as their opponent. They're going to start getting yep. getting frustrated. They're going to gonna start you getting lazy. Trip. You have to, to keep yeah. up, right? That's how it goes. Right? And and to the the other side, if my team is incredibly offensively skilled, yeah. And they're able to avoid this stuff. I want it called on them when, when other players are are trying to get away with something. Like I don't care if the games are ref uneven. And I know that the, like everyone's going to listen to this and go, "Oh, just wait till the sends are are you know being um, penalized way more." Like right. I, I get that. I understand that that's a part of that should give you an accurate representation of what your team is. Right. I don't want yeah. to not. And it th- I don't want to have like your guys will figure it out. Even the bad teams, exactly. they will do it less. Like right now, Jeff Vietz, the guy who puts it all the time, he's like the NHL wants a race to the middle. Right. They want mediocrity across the board. They want that third point in the standings is the one that keeps everybody feeling like they're still in that playoff race. The referees want to balance the penalty calls, keep everything tight until the last minute, all this stuff. Just play the fucking game. And if at some point that means teams are getting crushed 9-2, they'll probably stop taking those stupid penalties, right, that are killing them. Once they realize that's getting called now, I, I just we've seen it over and over. Players can adapt. Just call it. Just call the bloody game. I, I'm so sick of this debate. Like you say, it comes up every couple of years. And now it's been put out as blatantly as ever. And I do wonder if the uh, the gambling side of things will start to force them to go, okay, we better at least tone it down a little, right? At least be a little less, because we've all been there. Like I said, you're the team that's defending. You're well up, and you've got already had a couple power plays. You know they're going to give you two, you know, probably penalties in the third period, just so it looks more even on the stat sheet later. Instead of you being up for, you know, 5-2, in terms of power plays, maybe the game finishes 5-4 in flavor. Like, ah, see, we didn't favor anybody. We didn't. Yeah, you just made it up. Like, it's, it just it bugs me so much yeah. that I know it's coming, that you can just point at it and go, uh, we're next, right? Like, Yeah. And, like, I get to a certain extent that you have, again, humans reffing games. You're going to have human error. Yeah. It is just the net. And by choosing, like, listen, we have the technology to pretty much ref games by sure. robot. Yeah. Right? That's what you want to do. If you we have, can do that. If, exactly. If you want to do it, go for it. Make it one or the other. Because they've tried this weird hybrid where we have the coaches challenge for offside, right? Yeah. And video review. And then it's, you know, slowed the game down monumentally. But if you want to, to go full, like 100% robot and, and ref games that way, go for it. That Games eye in the sky, right? That little should. horn goes like it does when yeah. the uh, they've missed a goal. They stop everything, wind it back. You could do this stuff if you wanted to. Yeah. And and games would be called the way they, sh- they should. Yep. I guarantee you, you start to see those. One team gets penalized twice. The other team gets penalized seven times. Let me ask you, you one last thing on this. Or, well, you'll determine if it's the last thing on this. I have one no, more no, question for you is. on this. The NHL is the only pro sports league in North America that doesn't have or require a crew chief or one of the officials uh, after the game to be available to the media. Um, It's rarely, it's not like it's broadcast like these press conferences and and stuff like that. But 
we see in other sports that if the media wants to ask an official for the reasoning behind something or the justification or, you know, what you saw in that play, that's possible in every sport but the NHL. Now, that shouldn't surprise anyone when you look at how this is going. If the NHL is telling them to do their jobs poorly, the NHL can't then force them to go out and answer questions for why they did their job poorly. Um, but we've seen uh, the one that comes to mind for me most often is there was a game and this would be almost 10 years ago now where there was a, a pitcher who was throwing a perfect game and it's like the bottom of the ninth inning oh, yeah. and the first uh, the guy throws the ball to um, to first they call the guy safe when he clearly wasn't and it ends the perfect game and afterwards that umpire comes out and says I blew it I took that away from that kid that's entirely my fault I feel terrible and you just go okay right like like you've said before, people make mistakes. I can live with that, but at least someone came out and was accountable. It's horribly frustrating in hockey that no one is ever accountable. We just roll on down this terrible road. Do you think there's any chance that this would be better if one of the officials had to come out and speak for the crew? Or is this just, you know, the NHL is never going to change it? Like, would that change anything at all if you were going to be held accountable later to have to at least explain what you saw. Oh, it would absolutely help, right? It's the same as, as uh, getting the writers and the professional hockey writers association to reveal who they voted for. Yep. Like when you need to be held accountable, you think differently for sure. Right. The NHL will never do it. No, that, like, I, I have no faith in the NHL that they would actually do this, but I think they should. Yeah. If they, if they want to show transparency, if they want to show that they are trying to protect the integrity of their game, <laughs> they would do this. Cause I remember that. I remember that perfect game and the umpire coming out and saying, I took that from that kid. Yeah. I, I messed this up. And I think about that all the time. I think he, he was even on like the stage of the ESPYs saying something like that. Like he was front and center yeah. with the fact that, Hey, I, everyone in their job. But doesn't like, it also, if, yeah. Like to me, it diffuses the whole thing. I'm so much less mad at you now. Exactly. You just came out you and understand said, ah, human. that's my fault. Right. Okay, we all make we've mistakes. all had that moment, right? Maybe not exactly. in front of 50,000 people in the stadium and on national television, but we've all had that moment where you go, oh, no, I blew it. But as soon as you come out and admit to it, but you also all know that person that you've watched blow it and then pretends they didn't and you hate that guy. Like you're oh, yeah. so sick of that person, right? So Don't be that guy. Like one of my biggest pieces of advice for anybody in their career is like if you mess up, fess up yeah. and you know just say yeah you know what the, the, I, I messed up here I'm sorry I'll try to fix it but I messed up here right and if, like that is one of the basic functioning pieces of being an adult yeah. is the ability to admit your mistakes we all make mistakes yep. and I get that I'm it's easy for me to say that when I'm not Jesus I, I just called Colin Campbell Colin Powell <laughs> like <laughs> I make mistakes. I've Jesus, the number of mistakes I've made on the air, like it would blow your mind. It, it happens to everybody. Yep. And me hiding behind them isn't going to help anybody. No, I'll, like I'll admit it. Yep. But I, I get that I'm, I'm not on the same platform as you know an NHL referee. <laughs> but at the same time, that is that is the risk you take when you assume that role. Mm -hmm. And if if you believe in your abilities as a ref, you should be able to defend them. Yeah. And and if that means def you know coming out and admitting you made a mistake, hopefully you don't have to do it that often. Yeah. But that that should be part of the game. I absolutely think it would make a difference. What about you? Uh, and I, I, yeah, I I do. I think so because I do think it takes the bullets out of the gun that's been firing all week now. Everyone pissed at him, pissed at the league, pissed at the system, all these kinds of things. 
if he had just come out and, um, you know, uh, first of all, I don't think he gets caught on microphone if he knows he might have to answer to the media later um, <laughs> because I don't think any of this stuff is happening the same way. But yeah, I, I just, I'm with you. I, I just, I'm so much less annoyed at now at some point, maybe it's a call that, you know, eliminates your team from the playoffs that someone has blown, but that's, that happens anyway. We have blown calls now. So that part of it doesn't change. And I just, even if, um, I don't know, like going back to that baseball example or whatever, even if he had come out and said, no, I stand by that call. This is what I saw. That's why I called the kid safe. This is, you know, the rule as opposed to whatever. At least that I still disagree with you, but at least you've come out and stood by it or had the opportunity to back down whatever it might be, I just think that transparency changes everything. And the lack yep. of it just festers this distaste where every team, and, and like uh, we've talked about before, I'm in this unique position where I spend entirely too much time on both Leafs and Sens Twitter. <laughs> and I see enough tweets from around the rest of the league. Everybody tweets like the league and the refs are out to get their team. It's never just that they're bad or that they blew it. It's always, ah, oh, there's been an ongoing bias against the Columbus Blue Jackets for as long as anyone can remember. And you're like, <laughs> no, they're just bad, right? Like, yeah, no, they've always wanted to screw the Leafs and no, they're out to get the Sens. And like, no, they're not. This It all just sucks, right? It's affecting you tonight, but it's just generally bad across the board. And I do think... Um, a little accountability would force everybody to be better at their jobs. But I do think this is sort of an unwritten rule or, a, you know, the NHL has to cover for their officials and not throw them to the wolves if they're going to force them to have this kind of arbitrary standard where you can just kind of make it up as you go. As long as you're going to insist that they do that, you can't throw them to the wolves. As soon as you say, just call the game as you see it, then yeah, now you have to make them stand by it and... I don't like the odds that anything's going to change too much, but if it's going to change, it will be because of all the money that's on the line with the uh, the gambling world, in my opinion. Yeah, and the the last point I did want to make on that, and I know we're <laughs> we're berating this point, but it it, it is a frustrating thing, yeah. and it's something that a lot of NHL fans are talking about this week. But the Matt Duchesne comments for me were particularly frustrating because one, he was acting like he was shocked that this happened yeah. and come on, Matt Duchesne, you know, as a player, you've been around long enough to know that this is pretty common, but he said something to the effect of, you know, what if they score, what if they got a power play, they scored on that power play. We lose that game by one goal and then we miss the playoffs by two points. Sure, and yeah. it's all because of this, which, you know, is a like very specific, but yep. not unrealistic scenario sure. that could happen. That could also happen because someone doesn't make a call. Yep. That could and and also that is the that price might have you been pay. the power play that allowed you to come back in that game and then they exactly. make the playoffs and <laughs> but that is the price you pay for human referees. Yep. You pay that price for human error. You are going to get human error sometimes with human referees. Don't paint this very specific scenario as it is as if it is only possible when the ref makes that call intentionally. No, this can happen in a million different scenarios because you have human referees. You just you just literally painted a scenario of any human mistake leading to a big outcome. Why? Why is it always Matt Duchesne? 
There, I have hey, no there's, idea. there's a dude ten feet offside. We need to revamp the entire thing and go to video review. Oh, that guy was Matt Duchesne. Ah, uh, there's some players talking shit in an Uber. Oh god, oh, Matt Duchesne god. is one of them. Uh, an NHL referee pulls the curtain back on the whole charade. Oh, here's Matt Duchesne with his comments. It's always Matt Duchesne. I am not one for the everything is this player's fault, no, but it really like misery does seem to follow him. Every team he goes to, things quickly fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I have nothing against the guy. Like, I it's know. not personal. Yeah. I didn't agree with his comments there, but like, it, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. Yep. Nothing against him. But, it just seems like everywhere he goes, the teams just <laughs> fall apart and then he leaves and magically they're better. Like remember when he left Colorado and they, they went from being record settingly bad yeah. to, uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon carrying them on his back to the playoffs. And and did he win the heart or was he nominated? I, I can't he was remember, nominated, but, but yeah, it's... he was in the conversation. Yep. It was one of those years where oh, the definition of the heart. became a big thing but (laughs) we're not getting into that today because i'm sure that'll happen at one point it's it's just hilarious (laughs) that he's somehow always in the mix whenever there's big news and you're just like dude just keep your head down (laughs) uh other nhl news that actually kind of i don't want to say it broke today because it still hasn't been confirmed but cbc did report that uh the federal government was quote-unquote poised to approve a seven-day quarantine with extra testing for NHL players traded from American teams to Canadian teams before the April 12th trade deadline, according to a federal government source. Mm. This has been something we've been wondering. Justin's the source. Ooh, I wonder. You know he likes his hockey. And I think he's a Habs fan. That makes me nervous. Uh, (laughs) This is something that we've been, like, we know the NHL has been lobbying the federal government for for quite some time. Apparently, on the back of the Leafs, like Friedman reported on uh, headlines there last Saturday that it's the Leafs pushing hardest for this, which I guess should surprise nobody. But I was going to say, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> um, what What do you think about, like, let's say this happens. I know this is, it is quote unquote, poised to happen at this yeah. point, but let's say this happens. CBC is reporting it. So you have to think the source is pretty legitimate. Yep. What are your thoughts on that being a scenario? Uh, I should state up front my raging hypocrisy on this issue. Um, I have a giant bias to I report. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything to declare? Yes. I'm not going to be particularly fair about this issue. <laughs> hey, at least you're honest. This is called being a human. Yeah. So I think from a public health standpoint, from a PR standpoint, from a Canadian citizen standpoint, fuck that. Right. We have certain <laughs> rules in place that have allowed us to keep the numbers at least somewhat down compared to the United States, although we appear to be bubbling back up in a big way here. Um, we don't need to, I guess, get into that too much. I think it's a bad idea, but on the back of a hundred other bad ideas, right? I know I didn't think pro sports should be being played right now. There's a hundred things going on that I've just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went, well, if they're going to play anyway, I'll watch, but I don't think they should, right? Like, so there's that. I've gotten that out of the way. That said, as a Leafs fan, yeah, let's do it, right? Like, let's <laughs> let's have anyone who wants to just march into the Air Canada Center with a new, you know, Leafs jersey and uh, ready to help out the boys, I'm good. Um I guess the Jets really attribute 
the struggles of Pierre-Luc Dubois early on in his time there with being shut down for two weeks, which makes sense. You're asking a pro athlete to do literally nothing for two weeks and then try and get right back up to speed. Um, so from a competitive standpoint, I guess, you know, we've seen some evidence that it's not a good, we keep seeing waiver claims within Canada. Uh, the Leafs have lost two guys. Um, the Sens just picked up a goalie who's been through Edmonton and Winnipeg. Like if you can kind of avoid anything that crosses the border, that seems to be uh, of some benefit. So I'm not surprised that the Leafs would want to see it reduced. Um, like I said, as a citizen, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> as a citizen of Leafs Nation, yeah, anything that uh, might make it more possible to bring somebody in to help, I guess, you know, it benefits us in, in that way. What was your take on it? Uh, I am also going to declare my raging bias uh, in this situation in that my team was supposed to be the team that all the North Division turned to to yeah. make trades with because they could stay in their country. No, I listen, like full disclosure, I work for a hospital, so I have been incredibly ingrained in this whole COVID situation from day one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm just as sick of it as everybody else. But you know, it does make me nervous from that standpoint that, okay, you're giving special treatment to a bunch of guys who play hockey and have millions of dollars so that they can not have to sit in a hotel room that is fully funded and paid for by the team or yeah. their millions of dollars. You know, I, I, there's so many issues in how bad this looks publicly. Like, Plus, there's going to be more testing, which you assume is rapid testing. They haven't even got rapid testing in schools. Mm. Like, uh, this is not, or, or in hospitals or long-term care homes, like yep. to, to allow this to happen is just going to be a it's massive a PR look, nightmare. Yeah. And if we know anything about the NHL, they're just going to pretend like it's not an issue at all. So that's cool. But as at the same time, should have saved is, this Tim Peel debacle for the day that the Canadian government announces this is official, right? Draw everybody's attention God. away. On, we, we'd have so many things to talk about. We'd have yeah. like a four part podcast series, <laughs> But at the same time, there's a little part of me that I will admit is moderately okay with this, even though I know I shouldn't be, because A, as a hockey fan, I want to see some freaking trades. <laughs> and, and and it's looking very unlikely that we're going to, yeah. um, you know, for, for many reasons, but the, the, the cross-port of quarantine. James Duthie and all those guys sitting there for nine hours <gasps> oh. on trade deadline day with nothing happening. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of them big time right now. And even like the trades are exciting. And, yep. and this is like one of the things, th there are two things you get excited for in hockey, watching the actual games and then like player movement. Yep. Players moving to different teams. It's so much fun. And it's, you know, the fact that we might get to see that brings me back to that somewhat level of normalcy that I think we're all craving. Yes. So there, there is a little tiny part of me that's like, oh my God, this would be amazing. It would feel kind of normal and isn't that great. But I know this probably isn't a good idea and it's going to look terrible. Well, I think, you know, the only other thing I'd say on it, it, it where I sort of allow myself to, and again, hypocrisy already declared, but maybe because even in the U.S., it's not bubbled, but there are protocols, right? When you go to your, let's say the Leafs make a trade with, I don't even know, the Coyotes. When they go to their rink, they're tested every day. And, you know, they're sort of within this, again, I, don't, I won't call it a bubble because it certainly isn't. But they're already kind of in this thing where they're being monitored more closely. Uh, in theory, they should be being more careful and so maybe seven days 
with that in mind is a little bit better. The thing that I guess might counter that is maybe if I'm the Canadian government, I say to Canadian NHL teams, if you're trading for somebody, it's 14 days unless you send a plane for them, right? If they're getting on a public flight coming through whatever, Chicago to Toronto to wherever, maybe it doesn't count. But if you send a private check, because we've seen that, I think the Sens just did that for Forsberg when they claimed him off waivers. Don't get on a public flight. We will send a plane for you, uh, which they didn't even do for Stutzla after the World Juniors. So um, (laughs) lesson learned there, right, in terms of how you speed these sorts of things up. Maybe that's one way around it. I, I guess I just sort of allow myself to think a little bit that because you're already sort of inside these protocols across the league, maybe it's a little less risky, but nothing's perfect. So I, I like I said, uh, I, I understand it's a bad idea. It's a bad look as a, but if it means that the Leafs go out and pick up something that helps, I'll be I, the first one in line going, no, it's fine. Uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> What are you talking about? This is totally safe. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of trades and Toronto sports Mm. teams, uh, today was, as we record this on Thursday, today was the NBA trade deadline. And there was a lot of speculation as to what was going to happen with one Kyle Lowry. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did see Norm Powell traded, unfortunately. So that that did happen. He went to Portland. We not Um, the norm. Oh, poor norm. (laughs) We no longer the norm. Uh, Miss you, buddy. Dad jokes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but Kyle Lowry, as we record this at 5.30 p.m. after the trade deadline, he is remaining a Toronto Raptor, yep. which is mildly comforting. Sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen when his contract is up in the summer. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of speculation around why he wasn't traded. And I think by and large, it seems to sit on the the price just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't find um, Masai Ujiri and, and, and Bobby Webster felt, you know, they're being lowballed here. Yeah. Uh, and, and so didn't, didn't pull the trigger, but you know, now this raises the question of, are you going to sign him in the off season? Cause otherwise he walks for nothing. And no matter what your trade uh, value was or whatever offers you had on the table, they're still probably more valuable than nothing. Um, Where do you land on the Kyle Lowry situation? I know there's a lot we don't know at yeah. this point. Well, but basketball in general for me, um, <laughs> I, I'm at best a, a casual observer. I will say on Wednesday, uh, episode 805 had Chris Walder from the Walder Sportscast on, big Raptors guy, and just kind of talked about his perspective, where this franchise was heading, um, what they might be up to. So if you're looking for a more in-depth opinion than mine, which you should always be looking for, um, find it on episode 805, talkandaudio.com or wherever you're listening now. My take is very much like yours in that obviously they didn't get what they thought Lowry was worth and Masai was sort of saying to the league, I'm not going to be lowballed, right? You need this guy or you want this guy to help push your team. We're happy to keep him. So make me a real offer or get out of here. And I like that. Um, Now, what Chris did point out on episode 805 was that you let Kawhi leave for nothing. You let Gasol leave for nothing. Um, You need to be careful how many big pieces you let just leave for nothing. So there is that. The last thing I would say on it before I hand it back to you would be uh, an interesting tweet from the often controversial Sid Sixero, formerly of Tim and Sid, now of Breakfast Television, um, 
that maybe Masai was saying to the NBA, don't ever lowball me. You won't get what you want. But secondarily saying to MLSE as Masai yeah, does not yet have a contract with them. Don't ever lowball me. You won't get what you want. Um, I wonder if there's sort of a dual message being sent as they uh, are coming down to the wire on whether or not they're going to lock up Masai Ujiri long term. I am so worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> like that is all as much as the Kyle Lowry chatter has, you know, taken over the airwaves today and in the last couple of weeks. I am very worried about Masai Ujiri yep. and his contract. Yep. Get that contract signed. That should be priority number one. Um, on the on the Kawhi Leonard leaving for nothing, I, I don't think he left for nothing because the option was trading him at the deadline or making a run to the no, championship, fair. which sure, they did, yeah. and then letting him walk for nothing. Like They tried to keep him. They yes, made a they genuine did. push to keep him. And and regardless of the fact that he left, his value was per, you know helping them win a championship. But yep. uh, you know, point taken that I, I hope that at least conversations are happening right now with Lowry where like this is going to be a bit of an ego blow, right? Like the team that you've played for for several years and with whom you hold several records mm-hmm. was trying to trade you. Now they're keeping you, but it's not like, Hey, we wanted you all along. Right. It's that we didn't find a deal that was good enough. Yep. And so, you know, if they are going to try and sign him, he's probably not overly happy about signing with this team. So I hope there are conversations happening to repair that relationship a little bit. I know he's got a great relationship with Masai, but you know, still there's, there's a, there's damage done here. I agree with and that. I hope, I hope they're going to try and repair it. And I, you know what? I hope they resign him. I, I know that, you know, we, we saw it with DeMar DeRozan. Like when he was traded, everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then look what happened. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I understand that we can't get too attached to players, but Kyle Lowry is just like, he, even though he's never put up and like, like game in game out, he's not exactly going to be, he's not always going to be, I should say. Uh, the number one point getter, but he does hold several records for this franchise, uh, including he's first in assists, first in steals and first in three point field goal, field goals made. Yep. Uh, he's like second in points, uh, second all time in games played. Like he's no slouch, No. but no. it's, it's, yeah. it's the moments where it, like he comes up big when it matters, right? Like the, the game six against golden state, when they won the championship, he had 16 points in the first quarter. And I think 21 and a half in the first half. Yeah. Like, come on, man, that, that guy was going home with a championship and nothing else that <laughs> night. Like when he is on, there is no, there's so few players better than him. These right? are the and, things that analytics don't account for. Right. And I'm a big nerd for all the numbers, especially yeah. in hockey, more than about where I was like, well, his points per 60 and his, all these sorts of things. He goes, but there's just that eye test thing that says, okay, forget the per 60. We're in minute 59 now, and we need something big to happen. Kyle Lowry would make a play, right? And he yep. would go, he would put his body on the line. He would do things that not everybody does, and he would make something happen and and still kind of fl- have a little jam, right? And, and those are the things that don't get quantified by the numbers. So I don't think it's a disaster that they keep him if they're able to sign him here and he's now able to help bring along the next generation of Raptors. There's no question his best days are behind him. Um, and it, It's his 35th birthday today, by the way. Yeah. Imagine Happy getting birth- traded on your birthday. 
I couldn't stop thinking about that today. I learned that at like, I was on the air from six to nine this morning and I yeah. learned that at like seven 30 and I was like, what? Yeah. No. Can you, what's your personality type? Like, cause those, there are people out there who would focus on the fact that somebody wanted to get rid of you. And there are people out there who would focus on the fact that somebody badly wanted to bring you in. I unfortunately am the personality that would continuously be looking over my shoulder going, fuck you guys, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just I, mumbling to Yeah, yourself. exactly. Um, what do you think? Are, are you focused on the team that punted you out the door? Or are you focused on the guys who were happy to get you? That's such a good question. Because <laughs> I, like, I can't even imagine myself in this scenario. But like... <laughs> I guess I would want to know, okay, what is the plan? Yeah. Like, 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 gen, like, let's sit down and have an actual conversation. I'm sure agents are involved and all that stuff, but yeah. like, okay, you wanted to trade me. You didn't trade me. A, tell me why, you know, was it because the offers were, just weren't good enough mm -hmm. and you're going to let me walk in the summer or are you going to try and resign me? Like, right. what do you want to do here? Let's have a conversation about that plan. Cause I think you have to, and, and Kyle Lowry kind of seemed this way last night, excuse me, where he, he was not necessarily, you know, he talked about how it, it was weird not knowing what was going to happen. And he was very honest about the fact that, yeah, it was, you know, it, it, a lot of players would say, oh, I was just focused on the game and yeah. nothing else. But no, he's honest and he it's hard to focus aware. on It might have been his last game. Exactly. And, you know, he, he talked about how weird it was and he just kind of seemed very resigned to, okay, I cannot control this situation and whatever happens, happens. Right. And so I have to believe that there is an element of that at any point in your career as a professional sports player. Yeah. Like you, you have to understand that this could always happen. Yep. Like any GM will tell you they take calls on any player. Oh yeah. Just, just to entertain them. Right. Like, the the various GMs of the Pittsburgh Penguins over the years <laughs> <laughs> have taken calls on Sidney Crosby. I'm sure, sure. they're probably never in a million years no, going to. You want to know them, what the league thinks your guys worth, and you never know. Yep, you got to take those calls. You're not doing your job if you don't. And as a player, you have to understand that. And I'm sure they do. And and they know way more about being players than I do. But I I I, I would sit down and have an honest conversation about okay, what do you want? Do you want to sign me or do you, or can I walk? Like, what should I be preparing for here? Right. And, and now you can go into the, like, you know, playoffs are in the yeah, question, in question maybe. mark right now, but he can go they through did the rest of the season. A lot of other stuff, which all yeah. of those deals leading up to the deadline looked like they were designed to make room for whatever the Lowry hall was going to be right. They freed up two roster spots with the, uh, Terrence trade and, uh, Norman Powell, no, that one brought back an extra body. They had freed up two roster spots anyway, so it looked like, oh, this is going to be for whatever the return is on Lowry, and then you're like, oh, I, I guess it's not. Um, the last thing I'd ask you on it is, has there ever been a guy that you can think of who more completely changed, and maybe you know, a championship will do that, um, his own reputation in a market more than Kyle Lowry because... He wasn't always this guy that everyone sat around Twitter refreshing at 3 p.m. to make sure we didn't lose our Kyle Lowry. There were times he was very prickly. Um, there were times where he was accused of not fully competing. I can remember games in at least one playoff run where, and he was legit hurt here, but he's like laying behind the bench because his back is in so much pain, but there were people out there accusing him of milking it, right, for the cameras. 
I don't know if it's just the championship. Um, like I said, anyone who was on that roster that won a championship for the Toronto Raptors is now beloved in Toronto and across Canada, and that's fine. But he was not always this guy, the guy that you didn't want to lose, like and, and that was beloved and, and everybody wants the statue. That took time. And, man, he's one of very few guys who completely changed his own reputation in a very short period of time. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think you could make a case that Vince Carter did the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Just burned it down behind yeah. him. Yeah. Went from absolute hero yeah. to villain in what seemed like a day and then and then back to hero, right? I think Toronto has forgiven him I and, and you know, come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I'm the guy looking over my shoulder. Going, Fuck <laughs> you. I'm always the spiteful type, so. I, for in, in Toronto sports, it's hard because I feel like everything is now – you know, I'm looking at the Leafs more so than anything, but everything's magnified there. Yep. And I know in the NBA, it's not quite the same because Toronto often feels like the forgotten child. But I think in, a, in the market itself, in the fan base itself, there's there are a ton of passionate Raptors fans in Toronto, and mm-hmm. they they have very very strong opinions on players. And you know, Lowry talks about that. You know, him being villainized quite a bit in vilified. Sure. Villainized, villainized vilified, whatever. I don't think villainized. I think I just made up a word. Uh, trademark that Copyright. for me. Copyright. <laughs> Copyright shred. Thank you very much. Um, you know, he was vilified for for those playoff losses. And he he talked about that last year when they lost and Siakam was kind of in the same boat, yeah. right? And and he talks about learning from that experience. And he, he seems to be a very mature guy because he, he does have a pretty Again, mature now. outlook. Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> I'm not but, sure you know, it was always like that. And that's understandable. I mean, I think a lot of people would probably be I'll tell you the only name that comes to mind for me, and it's a distant second because there's no championship and it wasn't quite Edwin Encarnacion, who Mm. early on with the Jays in his first go around and they called him E5, right? Like he was so hated over at third base. He was so bad, always with the errors. Um, It wasn't going well. And then they sort of, uh, whereas Batista showed up, you were expecting nothing and he turned into something, but you didn't actively dislike him, right? He wasn't where I wonder, you know, more like Lowry, where even if it wasn't an active dislike for, his reputation wasn't great, and he turned it into this hero of the franchise, um, wanting, you know, a jersey retirement and a statue and all these sorts of things, and and that's totally fine. So I don't think Edwin is on that level, but he's maybe the first guy that comes to mind for me that was like, we got to get rid of this guy, we don't like this guy, to hitting monster home runs in 2015 and 16 to keep things... Uh, running that's maybe the 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 name that comes to mind most for me and and again like this isn't as extreme but it's kind of in the opposite direction right with kevin pilar yeah like kevin pilar was a superstar you know those those the wall leaps that yeah that he would make and then you know by the time he was traded uh jay's fans were kind of like get out of here man like <laughs> both for play on the field yeah. and then you know, some other so, off-field things so good stuff yeah you know, so but like i mean even in ottawa we we praise alfie right now right like he is a god but there was a time where playoff loss after playoff loss should alfie be the captain yeah. should alfie be traded get alfie out of town were legitimate conversations right right up until like 2007 that was happening yeah like this happens in every market where there's always a scapegoat. There's always a guy to blame. Mm-hmm. Usually happens to be one of the bigger players on on the team, 
whatever team that is, whatever sport that is, if you are a superstar on that team, you wear every win and you wear every loss. In completely unrelated news, I would just like to say, shout out William Nylander. Love you, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always. I, I will, Jesus, I will die on that hill and defend yep. William Nylander till the day I die. Yep. I mean, provided he doesn't do anything terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just no, want to put that in there just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, but I, on the on the Raptors, I do want to touch on real quick, um, in addition to the uh, Wednesday night game being historic because it, it would have been if he yeah. were traded Kyle Lowry's last game. He wasn't, so that's good. Right. Uh, but it was also a historic night because it was the first – NBA game that had an all-female broadcast crew on TSN, uh, and that was uh, Megan McPeak doing play-by-play, Kia Nurse doing color, Kayla Gray on the sidelines, and then Kate Burness and Amy Audibert in the studio on the panel. And uh, that was a really cool thing to, to witness, just obviously for me, for very obvious reasons, I'm yep. sure many people can de- deduce. Uh, I was very excited about this and uh, it was so much fun to watch. And I, you know, I, I got very emotional watching it for several reasons. Again, <laughs> Ky- the Kyle Lowry thing also helped. Sure. Um, this was also why I loved the 5 PM game uh, start for the Sens because I was given plenty of time to right, watch the okay. Raptors. Uh, so that was helpful. But it, it was a historic night, and, and it was great to see, like, you know, this wasn't just a first for TSN or the Raptors. This was a first for the NBA. Yeah, This was a first for the entire league, and it happened here in Toronto, in Canada, with, our, with TSN. Like, this was so great. And, you know, I talked about it on the air this morning with TSN 1200, but, you know, representation matters so much when it comes to, to especially sports that, often has been male dominated and, and to see an all female broadcast was, you know, the caper nest talked about it in, in the kind of the opening segment, she addressed the young girls watching and how much, you know, this means and and how they never had it growing up. And I know I never had it growing up. Cassie Campbell was the first color uh, commentator I saw in hockey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just don't see this as young women growing up. We, We don't see people we can relate to in, in sports coverage. And, uh, you know, that's starting to change and that's encouraging. This can't be the, the last all female broadcast. I know it was the first, but it definitely shouldn't be the last. And, you know, also very important. We need to just have women be regular parts of the broadcast, you know, whether it's all female or men and women, we, we need, we need women, a regular part of sports broadcast, regardless of the sport, uh, and regardless of the league and regard, regardless of the area. They deserve to be there. And these women in particular did a fantastic job. Like it was gen like Kia Nurse even threw out a get that garbage out of here. That was hilarious. Was just amazing. And it, I was just I was so happy watching this. Um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know Megan McPeak before that game. I'd never heard her work before. I guess she does some work around the WNBA um mm-hmm. and uh has called some other action there. Um she was fantastic. I, I, I'd She's never awesome. heard her before. I thought she did a really nice job. Kia Nurse is... Uh, in the last... Someone else had put it up. In, like, in the last 72 hours, she called a Raptors game, you know, doing color. She had dissected uh, games in both the men's and women's college tournament that's going on right now while in training to be the face of Team Canada at Tokyo... Um, this summer. Incredible. Oh, and also s- still being a full-time WNBA player. Right. 
incredible. Like, and, and she just got traded this year. Like she went from New York to Phoenix. She's got a new team to go to. She's still at the, I would argue the peak of her career at the height of her career. I think she's, she's probably still ascending to it. Right. Um, and she's doing all this. She's doing what most athletes do in retirement. Yes. Right it now. Was, like it's, it's insane. It was amazing. And the way she broke down the game, the way she did it with personality, the way, um, she was able to dissect what's that like, this is the thing that a lot of people don't fully grasp about whatever. Almost any athlete at the level of a Kia nurse understands the game at the level that Kia nurse, not all of them, but most of them understand the game, but to communicate that to me. So I understand what Kia nurse is seeing is the tool when you want to become a broadcaster, right? That's the key. And the way she did that was fantastic, right? And so they were a great pair together. Um, we've seen Kate Burness a hundred times. She can do anything, right? She does CFL. She's done basketball. She like she does it all. Uh, I thought the whole thing was awesome. And I, I just, I don't watch that much Raptors, especially in this horrible slide they were on, but I wanted to make sure I saw some of this. Um, I think what you said earlier is right on the money that we need to see some more of these all women's broadcast teams. But I think, and you'll correct me if I'm out of line here, I think the goal is to get to the point where that's not noteworthy anymore. They're just sprinkled in around whoever. Yeah, we got a woman a woman play-by-play and a guy color, you know, and the next night it, it, it's the opposite and there's a woman host here and there's a woman sideline reporter over there. Right now, we absolutely need these games to show that it's possible and that the game absolutely does not suffer. The presentation is still great. Um, so you need to keep running that out there. But I think in the long term, you don't want to be focused on the fact that, hey, this is a big deal because it's an all-women's broadcast. You want to get to a point where there's just women's broadcasters all over the sport and it's no longer noteworthy, right? It's just part of part of the landscape. Yep, absolutely. You want it to be so that we're not talking about it as this historic moment anymore because it's 2021 and quite frankly, this should have happened a long time sure. ago, but it's absolutely right. This needs to be normalized to the point where we don't think about it anymore. It's just, there's Kia Nurse, there's yep. Kaylee Gray, there's Kate Burness, whatever. Sure. Like we need to get to that point. And, and, you know, we need to have a, a few all female broadcasts because we have several all men broadcasts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The overwhelming <laughs> majority are all men's broadcast. Yeah. And no one ever questions that. Nope. So, so I'd like to see a mixture, right? Like I'd like to see some all female broadcasts and, sure. and I'd like to see it not just on international women's day, right. which we tend to see. And, and that's great, but we need to make it like, I'm glad they didn't do this on international women's day. They did this on just a random Wednesday night yeah. that, you know, could have ended up being Kyle Lowry's last game and, 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 you know, be having big time attention for that. But, but, but they were also given this incredibly could potentially historic game to cover yep. that, you know, in the weeks leading up, did we know it was going to be that historic? Probably not. Uh, yeah. So, so I thought you it was know, great. The Kyle too, in his press conference and he sat oh, there forever. Yeah. Um, he knows that might've been his last game with the Raptors. He knows he's got a long slew of questions coming. He's got an uncertain future ahead of him took the time to shout them out by name. Obviously, he didn't yeah, hear the broadcast cool. because he was on the court. But said, heard you all did an awesome job. But like I said, mention them by name. It's a cool move. It's a classy move. It's important to uh, to point out and bring attention to even when his mind was clearly on a hundred different things. I thought it was cool he took the time to do that. 
That, yeah, that was that was awesome. That was one of my favorite part of his his post game press conference, and he had Drake in there at one point. So. <laughs> <laughs> like that was that was really neat. But yeah, it was it was an awesome night, and uh, I hope a lot of young girls and, and young boys were watching. Like I think I think we need men to regulate this in their minds to a certain extent. That's often part of the problem. And, and, and if you look at the vitriol that uh, Cassie Campbell takes on a regular basis, uh, it's part of the problem is that some men need to normalize this in their own minds. And, and I know that there are some people whose opinions you are never going to change. And, and that is fine. I'm not talking to them. But it's it's the young boys watching who I think we don't want to grow up in that category. Do you know what I mean? Like I, of I'm course, trying to be very yeah. careful with my words. No, you're right. I know don't it's grow not up all to be men. an asshole. Like don't no. be an asshole. <laughs> Just like that. That should be a basic rule. But it, it does seem that there there is a contingent of people who do not want mostly men who do not want their sport touched by women and oh it's it's not her it's just i don't like her voice well, it's not the fact that she's a woman it's just yeah. why don't you like her voice okay. like like what is it about what she's saying do you disagree with her because you disagree with men all the time on broadcast but it's never hey you shouldn't be here right it's it's i disagree with you and and we need to we need to make it not noteworthy anymore because every time it's noteworthy you have those people coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Do not think it should be a, a thing and they will do everything in their power to take it down. And no, yeah, I, I think you're so right. Like I, I, it's not just the idea that I want my niece to see that she could do this if she wanted to. I, I just, I, I like with her, I like to just point at anything, right? You can do, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't get, I'm a big sports guy. You don't have to be into sports or whatever, but if you want to be, Hey, look, there's, Cassie, there's Andy, there's yeah. whoever, right? But in any profession, in any job, but every bit as important as that is my nephew to be able to just look on TV and go, oh, cool, women call sports too, right? Like yeah. it's just, you know, it doesn't have to change what she wants to be or what he wants to be. It's just a, oh, yeah, okay, that's normal, right? That's what we see. That's anybody exactly. can do this. So uh, I think it is every bit as important for, um, yeah, young boys to see that you know, it's going to be a factor moving forward and it should be. Exactly. It's normalizing it in their minds so that it, it, you know, they just exactly think, okay, cool. I have my broadcasters in sports that I like and that I don't like, and it's entirely based on the way they call the game or their perspective Mm -hmm. or their whatever. And that knows no gender either. I think there are women broadcasters who are very good. I think there's women broadcasters who aren't so good. And I think the exact same thing about men, right? I want to call what I see based on what I like and and don't like, right? Not based on well, her voice is a little more high pitched than I like. Who gives a shit? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Does she know the game? And can she explain to me what just happened? Like I said about Kia Nurse. Oh, okay. I see why they ran that play the way they did, right? I know she knows. Can she explain it to me? And yes, she absolutely did. An idiot in basketball, right? <laughs> like, so that's the job. If you can do it, you can do it. I don't really care beyond that who you are. Like, it, it, Jeff Merrick always says that the two keys to sports broadcasting are, do you know what you're talking about and can you articulate it? Yeah. And those are your credentials. And um, yeah, it's just, we, we and your point uh, there, kind of, sorry, I, I just, I just didn't want to move off this because I, I saw someone no, no. else who, um, 
put it in a way I'd never heard before, but that I thought was really good. Because you were very, being very careful and very diplomatic, and, and you don't have <laughs> yeah. to be. But to say that it's not all men, and no, it's not all men. But the phrase that someone else had put out, it's not all men, but it's always men. Right? So, oh, that's good. Yes. Yeah. So, and I wish I could give credit. If I find it again, uh, I'll put it on our Twitter and whatever. But that, no, not all men are assholes about this. But when someone is being an asshole about it, you can bet your ass it is a man. <laughs> so That's I like so that. True. It's not all men, but it's always men. And it's true. I, <laughs> that is that is poetry yep. right there. Put that. Put a screenshot of that in the Louvre. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yep. And and one needs to look no needs to look no further than the controversy mm-hmm. that we touched on a little bit last week because yep. it was just kind of unfolding when we recorded last Thursday, Matt. But yep. the NCAA women's basketball oh, heard you crack beer mm-hmm. number two. What are you going I, with now? I, it's same one. I, I really same liked, one. Oh, uh, could, did you like it? I did. I got very little raspberry out of it. Um. Got much more chocolate out of it, uh, and I'm fine with that. I got a bit of a sweet tooth. Obviously, got the beer tooth, so uh, we're good with that. Highly recommend. Okay, that's good to know. That's yeah. good to know. Uh, so, so the NCAA uh, women's basketball tournament versus the men's. Uh, we saw the whole weight room controversy last week. The men's weight room looked like your average, actually, no, like a supercharged uh, good life fitness yeah. that I have, like, I, I have gone to several gyms in my life. I have never seen anything like that. And the women's uh, gym was a weight tree and five yoga mats. Yeah. So that's like not cool. Worse than what was at my friggin' high school. And most people right now, especially with COVID, have better home gyms than what the NCAA women's basketball tournament had. Um, and and full credits to Sedona Price, who called this out to begin with and went viral. I don't know that she was expecting to go viral, but she fully did. Yeah, it's good um, that she did, yeah. Exactly. And ca- called attention to this. Uh, Prince, sorry. Sedona Prince. Yeah. Um, but so, so we kind of touched on this. It was just kind of unfolding last Thursday, but it, it ended up being this whole thing, right? Where the NCAA released a statement saying, well, it was just a spacing issue. And then I think it was Sedona or one of her teammates was like, okay, here's the space yeah. filmed the weight tree. And then the entire conference room yeah. that they were in with a couple chairs in it and a airport hangar room of space. Yeah. Um, so finally they ended up getting that sorted out. A number of companies, including Dick Sporting that Goods. Was the one I saw, yeah. And I think Orange Theory mm. uh came forward and said, hey, you know, we'll we'll donate equipment. Uh Dick's Sporting Goods said like we got a truck full right now. Give us the word. Yeah, come we'll get be it. there. We'll set no we'll sit like we'll be there. We'll set it up. We'll do this. When your company is, or like the NCAA is doing so badly that other companies are able to capitalize on it with just the most, you know, basic, we'll bring in some weights and some treadmills and whatever else is necessary. You're When other people are dunking on you to bring up their own PR, you know you've done terribly. Honest to God. And my issue with, my one issue with that, and you know, I'll give full credit to the companies who came forward. I just wish they had they had come forward in the first place. Like I wish that sponsorship level was there such that they wanted Mm. to sponsor the women's tournament so that this wasn't an issue in the first place. That's interesting. And that's, I guess I hadn't considered that. Yeah, no, 
I, I wonder. But I saw someone who said would you that have known to... ahead of time that one side was getting so horribly shafted over the other? Like, uh, well, that's the other thing. Like, no one knew, and and it, that's where full credit goes to Sedona Prince for yeah, even God having the like the guts to come forward. And yeah. th- this is what kills me with the NCAA. They thought in tw- in the year twenty twenty one that you could give w- the women in this very high profile tournament. Mm-hmm. A such a discrepancy in resources and not think that, hey, the internet exists and they're going to share this because they thought that women have accepted the bare minimum of what is given to us since day one and they will probably continue to do that. But that's not happening anymore because God bless this generation. They have more guts than I ever did. And and they're they're calling out this crap. And and it's it's about time. I'm, I'm very glad they are. And then the NCAA finally, I, I and I don't even know if like they took the equipment from Dick Sporting Goods and Orange Theory, but they did end up getting somewhat of a decent weight room set up for the women's basketball tournament. But I don't want to give them credit. No, because they only you were reacted. shamed into doing it. Exactly, and and not only were you shamed once into doing it, you were shamed repeatedly into mm-hmm. doing it because you even tried to defend it. When you were initially shamed yes. and said, okay, well, it was a space issue. And then the, your players called you out and said, no, it was absolutely not a space issue. And then you finally caved and, and gave them the resources that they should have had in the first place. Well, if by chance you haven't seen it, um, the video that went so viral is on our Instagram at Talk and Audio. We threw it up there on the 19th or 20th. So you can scroll back a little bit and find it. But it's incredible. To look at, like you said, this futuristic, incredible gym next door to what you'd picture your uncle having saved from the 1970s tucked into a closet somewhere, right? Like it was embarrassingly obvious. And then, like you said, in the video, she addresses, we're told it's because there's no space. And she like turns around and there's an airport hangar behind her. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Ah, uh, you know, like it, it, it just, the mind boggles us to not just that you thought you were going to get away with it, because I don't know how many of them even would have thought that far, but that you thought you should try to get it like that. This was even marginally. Okay. Like exactly. It, and that's a really great point. It may not be that they thought they were going to get away with it. It may be that they didn't think this was a problem. Yeah. And that's the problem. Right. Like, the, yes. do women not need to work out? I'm sorry. These are just a, I know they're not paid athletes, uh-huh. but they are just as much athletes as your as your male counterparts here. Yeah. Right. I know. I know we give way more attention to the men's tournament. We shouldn't, but we do. <laughs> and and well, and, and this is why and Megan Rapino just released a video where she was talking about this at the freaking White House, by the way, Ooh. where she said, like, we don't know the full potential of women's sports nope. without proper funding. So without proper funding and investment, we don't know the potential of women's sports. Right. We've seen how successful women's sports can be in the face of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Imagine what women's sports could be if they were given the same resources as the men. And the NCAA is a prime example of that because you can't make the argument of, well, they, they bring in more revenue. The NCAA is, doesn't pay their athletes. Right. They're not supposed to be about revenue generation mm-hmm. here. Yeah, right. That. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> 
And, and and this is just what it's one of those things. Every every time it comes up, the same argument is made by again, not all men, but it's always men. Yeah. Um. Oh well, they just don't bring in as much interest. Well, are they given the same marketing resources? Are they given the same broadcasting contracts? Are they given the same attention on TV as as men's sports are? Mm-hmm. No. So yeah. how can you compare? It's not apples to apples here. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. We have no idea what the ceiling is on women's sports. There's exactly. only one way to find out. And and on that note, I will say, and, and I know we're we're uh, well into our, our second hour here, That's but I, right. I, I do want to say, if you haven't watched the NCAA women's basketball tournament so far, I highly recommend it, in particular this weekend. And I want to tell you why. Mm. Uh, we've got UConn, which in case you haven't heard of it, is kind of a big program. The UConn Huskies are pretty much, every WNBA star you can think of has pretty much come through this program. Okay. Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, the the list goes on, but UConn is iconic for for their, especially in March Madness. Um, they they've got a UConn. We all scron. We for, all con for UConn. I'm sorry. <laughs> I sometimes I trample over you for a legitimate point. Sometimes I it's feel shame. That's okay. I feel shame. <laughs> this is one of those times you should take the ball I, back and please go. I will accept a dad joke. I will accept it. It's okay. Embrace it. <laughs> but so, so UConn has a young star by the name of the, by the name of Paige Beckers, who is a freshman. Like the milk store. More, exactly. Oh, Remember stop Beckers? Stop it, Matt. Shut up. <laughs> Does Beckers even still exist? No, of course not. It takes me back. Yeah. Uh, she, she's not only a freshman, but she's also arguably the best player in the league right now Mm -hmm. and in the tournament. And she's going up against Iowa, who also has the record in terms of records, best freshman this so far this year in Caitlin Clark. Okay. And the two of them are facing off this weekend, Saturday at 1 PM in the sweet 16 UConn versus Iowa. Trust me, folks, you want to watch this. These are two players who we are going to be watching in the WNBA for years to come. Where is you want to watch this? Where is this available? Is it a shitty uh, iPhone it should be on stream, TSN. or will this be a TSN broadcast? It should be on TSN. I I was watching the women's tournament. So far, I've been able to find any game I wanted to. I know that there's so many games that it's it's impossible for them yeah. all to be broadcast. But like I watched Iowa and Central Michigan last weekend, uh, and that was Caitlin Clark. I watched UConn. Oh my god. I can't remember who UConn played. There's so many games, yeah. but I watched I watched UConn that night. Like you should be able to find it on TSN or I think NBC and CBS also have the, um, depending on you know what kind of package you have. I don't know, right? But TSN had had the streams that I needed. I think it was like TSN three or four. Okay, and uh, the other thing I thought we should probably shed out here is the return this weekend to complete the NWHL playoffs. Yes. Um, who, if people recall. Um, had to shut down be about a month ago now, I guess, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but they had a, a great thing going, a bubbled tournament. Uh, COVID snuck in, shut it down. A couple teams had to leave, and they decided it was better off to just shut the whole thing down at the time. They called it a postponement and not a cancellation. Um, so they're, the four teams remaining are going to the Boston Bruins um, practice rink. And... This, those games will be broadcast as well. It was a big disappointment at the time because the championship game was going to be broadcast on NBC Sports Network as well as Sportsnet up here. So big opportunity lost when those games didn't happen. 
Um, but they're bringing it back. They're going to have thorough testing um, and do it at the rink. Those games are going to be broadcast again as well. So big opportunity for the NWHL to finish what they started. Uh, really happy to see that going on as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of a bright spot for sure. It was it was a difficult announcement that they had to make, and they made the right call. I mean, they of had course, some yeah. COVID, COVID situation. So, um, yeah, the, if it's going to be kind of a win – not so much a winner take all, like one game at a time, I yeah. guess. Tournament uh, starts on Friday with the Toronto Six taking on the Boston Pride at 5 p.m., and then uh, Minnesota Whitecaps taking on the Connecticut Whale at 8 p.m., and then the winner of those two games will face off in the Isabel Cup on Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, I know for a fact it's going to be on NBC Sports Network. Mm-hmm. I don't know about sports. Yeah, we haven't heard yet what they're going to do because they start to, you know, they they had it slotted for when it was. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to fit in or hopefully they're able to find a way to make that happen because that needs to be seen up here, especially if you want to see uh, the Toronto Six getting, uh, you know, their feet underneath them and, and building a fan base. And they were building some nice momentum um, across the GTA, at least uh, yeah. uh, last time. So hopefully they're able to make that happen. I'm hoping what happens is either Sportsnet plays it on one of their digital platforms mm-hmm. or see, I know CBC car- has carried a couple of them. They carried a few of the PD- T- PWHPA events right. over the last few weeks, and they usually stream things just on their website for free. So I'm hoping that maybe CBC will broadcast it. But if you have NBC Sports Network in some fashion, right. you will be able to watch it there. Pay attention for any other announcements kind of from a Canadian broadcast standpoint. But yeah, good news for for the NWHL. They're at Shrides, get at Tall Can Audio. When we hear yeah. the Canadian broadcast plans, we'll tweet it out. We'll get it out there. We will. I will say I'm 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 taking a little bit of a break from social media. Okay. Not like not full time. Like right. not like you know quick cold So turkey. I shouldn't waste my time tonight during the game kind of pecking at you or? I mean you can. I might I might d- dive in every now and then. <laughs> but I I'll I'll go in, I'll like retweet a few things and with the, everything with the uh, all female broadcast. Like I tweeted a few things, but I've been after the whole bar stool situation mm. and then the NCAA thing. Like I got a few people in my mentions who let's just say were some of those, not all men, but always men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're grabbing onto that. Eh? You like that. One. I, I love that. Like I want to get that tattooed on me, <laughs> but those folks were, were coming into my mentions a little bit too much. And I thought, you know what? A little yeah. break from social media feels about right right now. So I'm, I'm not like completely cutting it out, but I'm, I'm minimizing my time. Uh, on it and I'm being very efficient with it. So if I find out when they're going to be broadcast, I will go in, I will retweet it and I'll Perfect. get the F out of there. <laughs> and uh, I have, unfortunately, I'm doing the exact opposite, spending more time than ever on Twitter and getting myself into trouble there. If on Saturday night, if this is your scene, uh, UFC 260 going on, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou for the heavyweight championship, going to be an incredible fight. Uh, Ngannou with ungodly knockout power versus probably the greatest heavyweight in UFC history just in terms of number of times he's defended that UFC championship uh, number of rounds won all these sorts of things that's going to be an incredible fight if that's your scene at all and you're not following us on Twitter at tall can audio I will be probably losing my mind over a couple of points on that uh, on Saturday night pay-per-view starts at 10 main event will be closer to midnight Um, also we tend to interact quite a bit with our friends uh, from TSN 1200, Graham Creech and Steve Bunda. Uh, big UFC guys. Give them a follow as well, but uh, we'll be interacting with them. Uh, if that's your scene, join us for, uh, I don't know, we'll call it a live tweet of uh, of UFC 260 on Saturday night. 
that you you kind of sold me on that. That's all way past my bedtime, <laughs> but I'm very intrigued. Yeah. I will say I loved uh, the episode you did with Creech and Bunda. Um, two of my fun. favorite people. It's I'm, gl- I'm glad you got them on. Uh, so we're going to do that again. That. I just I didn't want to bug them every time. There's a big card, but uh, maybe every other time. Uh, <laughs> well, they seem to enjoy it as well, and we're down with the craft beer thing. So uh, that was a lot of fun. We will do that again. Right on, right on. Yeah, they're awesome guys. And uh, Creech and I are. All, we often talk about craft beer, so I'm, I'm glad that he got on here. Yeah. Um. Uh, they're they're two awesome awesome people. So I'm I'm glad you were able to set that up. All right, I think I think that about does it for this episode. Bottom of the list, we made it. We did. We made it through, and you know what? Hour and a half, not too bad. bad. It's pretty much par for the course now. eh? Exactly. It's Thursday night. It's been a long week. Been a long day. We needed some beer. We needed to vent. No, (laughs) will not. Will not say it. Okay. I'm. You're seeing our true number one apparently tonight. Everybody's sold. Jack Campbell's the guy now. Jack Campbell? Jack Campbell's the guy? I guess. Freddie Anderson's out? He's out. We're done. That's it. Do you it's, think... Okay. It's Campbell and Hutch. One least thing I will ask you. Yeah. Will Freddie Anderson be a Toronto Maple Leaf when the playoffs start? Uh, yes. Okay. Will he be the starter? Uh, Ooh, that's, that's the kicker. What I will tell you is Freddie Anderson will not be a Toronto Maple Leaf on October 1st. Um, Fair. When we start the next season, I don't think they can make a big enough to bring in another goalie now and to do the other things they wanted. You would have to ship Fred out. And I think most teams who are out of it right now, given the pandemic, there's no fans, there's no money, none of that stuff. I don't think you can get someone to take Fred in return. So I think you're kind of stuck this year with what you have. It might be Campbell's net. We'll see how it goes the rest of the way. But I don't think Fred will be gone by the time the playoffs start i could be wrong but i don't think uh that's so. fair you you don't you don't upgrade your goaltending it's at really the trade hard deadline. to be yeah like if especially you, right now right so i don't even know who, who do you want to look darcy kemper to make that fit they got to take fred back i don't know why they would do that right yeah. like that makes no sense for them so if the playoffs started today who's oh, your starting don't goaltender even, well, Fred's hurt, so Jack. Okay, there you there go. There you easy. go. That's that's how that I'm weaseling out of the house. I want to. See, I, I won't lie to you. I want to see Jack Campbell make a like at least have some success. He seems like a really nice guy. Everyone Everybody raves about how nice of a guy Jack he is. Campbell. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I, with all due respect to Freddie Anderson, I just feel like he, the Leafs have taken him as far as he's going to go with them. Yeah. And it's no disrespect. He helped them do a lot of things. Yep. But and he, he carried may us not for that first year or two point. of the the young core, exactly. and it hasn't been pretty since um he was having a pretty good year before the injury not a great year um i have no issue at all with going with campbell for a little while now to see what happens both because fred apparently needs the time but also because you just need to see what you have who the better guy is and whatever my only thing and i keep ending up in these round and round and round and round twitter conversations go nowhere which is all twitter is um is that fred bad does not automatically mean jack good right Mm -hmm. you have to take a look and see but to just assume campbell will be better is an awfully dangerous game so i'm willing to take that take a look and and find out and and maybe he will be better we don't know that yet that's all that's fair yep that's fair 
All right. I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Agreed. I think I think we've solved the problems of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, my God. You're welcome, Kyle Dubas. Yeah. Um, giant I think, list of problems. <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. 54 years. Of, we solved yeah, them all here. Perfect. You are welcome, Leafs Nation. All right. That is all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Tall Can Audio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. And we will see you next time on Tall Can Audio. Did you see that? Yep. There's an hour you're never getting back. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize. To absolutely nobody! The double track does what the f he wants! Okay, I'm gonna call that a wrap. You can find tons more TCA at tallcanaudio.com. Ba-dum-ba.